Welcome back to another week at 4K Kings. I am Russ. I am Matt. And uh, this week is uh, is a bit light, but we're going to show you our pre-recorded segment of Criterion Collection recommendations just in time for you to go out there and take advantage of that Barnes & Noble half-off sale. Uh, we're also going to do our review of Reservoir Dogs, talk about Wolf of Wall Street, and... Uh, I'm not kidding. It's light this week. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so much less. And we are back. Welcome back, Russ. Welcome back, Marvin Nash. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome back, everyone else. Thank you for returning. If you're new, welcome. If you're old, Thanks for showing back up again. Uh, my name is Matt. This is Russ, and we are your 4K Kings, covering physical media news, movie reviews, and so much more. If you like what you see here, consider commenting, consider subscribing, throw us a like here or there. We really appreciate it. And don't forget to let everyone watching and listening know we are very close to our subscribe for drive giveaway. Russ, we're only about 150 away at this point. 150 away. I think we're going to get there before the end of the year. Yes. That's my that's my that's my guess. My prediction. I predict that as well, Matt. And once we hit 2000 subscribers, one lucky viewer will receive a sealed out of print second sight special edition 4K of the Ryan Gosling masterpiece drive. Love it. And all you have to do, go find our original drive video. We'll throw up a link or something, I believe. We'll throw something up there. Go there and leave your wittiest, funniest, most sentimental, whatever. Leave a comment. And Matt and I will go through, pick our favorite one, and that lucky subscriber will receive drive drive and there are a ton of great comments there already some that have yeah. really made me laugh and just in general thanks to people that just comment anyway on any videos it's been really great to oh, see yeah. some of your feedback some of your support some of your criticisms mm -hmm. love it dad rules love it um so yeah like russ mentioned we're only about 150 away i think we're going to get to that beautiful 2k number probably by the end of the year um help us get there any way you can we really appreciate the support uh, last time we covered the new studio Radiance Films. Mm. We talked about 4K releases from Criterion and Scream, their January slates. We reviewed Top Gun, Maverick. <laughs> we reviewed Top Gun, Maverick. Let's say it again. And uh, we reviewed uh, 8 Mile as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who loves Top Gun, Maverick? Anyone out there? Not too many people like that. To Not too I, many people watched that video. That video kind of flew under the radar, pun intended. Flew under the radar. Uh, this week, Russ, uh, as you mentioned, really absolutely no blue news <laughs> of any kind that I saw that I was like, God damn, we got to talk about that. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know what's out there. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's some stuff that people did get excited about or see or hear. Please let us know what you are excited about this week. But there really just wasn't a whole lot. Like late Really last minute, Criterion dropped a few announcements, one being Dazed and Confused. And Hollywood Shuffle, which is a great movie. And Hollywood Shuffle. But I don't even think Hollywood Shuffle was in 4K, kind of like what they did with Cooley Eye. I don't get this. Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't get it. Maybe they don't have the rights, but but yeah, so really no news. So what we thought we would do instead is kind of give you our recommendations for the Criterion uh, sale that's going on at Barnes & Noble and Amazon. 
mainly. Um, they're 50% off sale that comes uh, twice a year, July as well as November. We're about halfway through the month. And we thought, you know, better late than never, but kind of give you a couple of ideas or suggestions if you were not sure what to pick up or you wanted to try something new. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have done that in a pre-recorded segment, which we're going to roll now. Take it away. And for everybody that is listening uh, to this, obviously you should go and check out that segment on YouTube for a little bit more context, a little bit more fun, and a little bit more of an in-depth review of some of those films where I'm just going to let you all know what I picked mm. for our recommendations. So my recommendations, Russ, or do you want to go first? No, you look no, like no. you were cocked and ready to load loaded. I, I was just going to ask you, what did you end up going with, Matt? I ended up, I haven't seen the, the fully edited segment. Yet. Okay. Well, it's, it's, it's out there. It's up there for people to check out. But if, like I said, if you're just no, listening, that's true, I guess, but it's, <laughs> it'll be up by the time you're listening to this. <laughs> like um, this is live. Yeah. <laughs> Am I doing? <laughs> but my recommendations were Amoris Peros, uh, Blowout, Raging Bull, Exotica, The Thin Blue Line, and Thief. Uh, six, in my opinion, classics that are on the Criterion label, which everyone should consider picking up at the half price sale. Strong choices. Out of the ones that I've seen, I agree with you. Definite, definitely worth picking up. Uh, what did I go? I went with uh, Badlands, Blue Velvet. What did I go after that? Uh, I, I did Sid and Nancy. I did When We Were Kings, The Night of the Hunter. What was my other one? Do you recall? Um, Jesus. Couldn't be that great of a recommendation, huh? I forgot it. The boxing one? Oh, Menace to Society. Oh, Menace to Society. Jesus. How did I forget Menace to Society? And Menace to Society. Those are also really good picks. And yeah. I think... Uh, I elaborated much better in the segment. Yes, Please yes. don't go off what I just did here. Yeah, so if you're listening on Spotify, come and check that out. So um, this week, I'm going to say this one more time, just because uh, I don't think I covered everything else that we're going to be covering. So this week, we're going to be uh, talking about our must-buys at the Criterion sale. We're going to be reviewing Reservoir Dogs in 4K, and we're going to be reviewing Wolf of Wall Street in 4K. Now, I've purchased as have you, Reservoir Dogs in 4K. We've watched it. We have it at hand. We're going to give a review of the movie as well as the disc itself. Wolf of Wall Street, I was supposed to have, but it was delayed. Mm. And now I do not have it in hand. And Zavi never says they shipped it. It never shipped. I think they're sending me a new one. Maybe I'll get two. Maybe I'll get one. I don't know. I was hoping to have that in hand to unbox and to share news on the transfer itself. But instead, we'll have to share. We'll have to settle for some screenshots. It's always rough importing. I mean, it same. Is. I pre I ordered it as well, and I don't have it in hand yet. I what is it about? A couple weeks to a month. I feel like it typically takes. Yeah, it takes some, anywhere between seven to ten days for me to get my stuff from Zavi after it's shipped. Oh wow, so, that's something, quick. Something like that. So, um, but if I, if I get it. If I get it before the review goes up, I'll make sure to add in some unboxing shots for everyone to check out. So no news, like I said, Russ, but a couple of really great releases to talk about. So let's jump right in with Reservoir Dogs. Never saw it. Uh, <laughs> let me see here. Let me just get my... Sorry. There we go. All right. So, so out now on 4K Ultra HD from Lionsgate in a regular and in a steelbook is Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. Now, mm. the the steelbook, as kind of gruesome as it is, I feel like is the only edition to get here. And I 
kind of made fun of this a little bit early on. I kind of wasn't sure about it. I hemmed and hawed and kind of like didn't even know what to think. Then I sort of read some early reviews that the transfer was excellent. Then I started looking at the steelbook and thought, you know what, as ridiculous as this thing is, this is going to sell out like crazy. This is going to be just such like a weird conversation piece in the future when you can't really get these anymore. And it's like, Hey, where's your, what reservoir dogs copy do you have? And it's this freaking sliced ear. So I caved, I got it. It's right here and it is pretty cool in person. I got to say, I feel like just with the slip around it and you know, it's, I'm sure the same with a, a lot of other titles like this, but there's just like a heftiness to it. I just like how it looks. Um, Best Buy does great. I love the slips that they yeah. put on their steel books. Yeah. I mean, they 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 are great in the steel book game when they do these types of releases. Not those chintzy uh like $10 ones. Actually, they probably those probably aren't even in stores anymore. Yeah, and the steel book itself is really nice. I never really saw a shot of the back. It's like Marvin's like back of his jacket or whatever, but like the milk crates or whatever behind there. Um, water jugs and stuff. The ear slip is pretty cool. The back of the slip is pretty cool too. It's got all the characters sort of walking. I kind of am, I mean, they're trying to like spice up the the synopsis here on the back a little bit, you know, just for like fresh audiences. Just listen to this first sentence. Frenzied, soaked in blood and featuring gangsters, both ruthless and engaging. And then parentheses, it says, who debate the deeper meanings of like a virgin. Reservoir Dogs is a debut film about a heist gone terribly wrong. It attained a cult status and it's released in 1992. It's like, I don't know, just somehow they're describing this movie. I, I feel like it's kind of dumb. What, a teenage girl write that? That's what I mean. I feel like it's a little stu- stupid. And their 90s cohorts make it swaggering return in razor sharp 4K. 90s cohorts and swag? I know. And I will say, it says razor sharp 4K. It says razor sharp 4K on here. I will say, and we'll talk about this release and the transfer um, a little bit later in this segment. Uh, but it is razor sharp. It is absolutely outstanding. Yes. Um, so I don't know if anyone even has the opportunity to get the steelbook anymore or <clears> what <throat> edition that you have. Is the, it out of print? Do you know? At this point, I don't know. I didn't check. The inside's pretty cool. I will say there's like the different chalk outlines of the different colors. And then I don't, I'm not sure about the discs. The discs have different colored guns that match the colors of the people or, or that match the colors of the characters. I don't know if I'm, I think that kind of looks a little cheesy, but what are you going to expect from a steel book that's got a sliced ear hanging off? Well, and I'll say this about the steel book. I maintained from the beginning. I loved just how absurd it was. And it is, dude, I bought that stupid gas can edition. So I can't justify passing this one up. Yeah. I mean, this is, to me, this is a better edition than that, strictly on the packaging and artwork. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's, I think it's fun. I, I'm going to, I'm going to dial back what I said a little bit. I think it's fun. You know, I'll still hold, remain. It's just brutal. And it's yeah. like, and, and anyone who's seen the film knows like, that's a pretty pivotal moment. That's, yeah. that's the moment you walk away from the movie talking about. So to plaster it on the cover just feels like what, you know, <laughs> I know. And ultimately I still would have wanted a original art steel book. I'll take this as a fun alternative, but if this was the original art, I would have been just as happy and, and wish and wish it was. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the, the rest of this disc and, uh, we'll talk about the disc and the, the, the reviews of it and what we think and what our thoughts are. Cause we've, we've had it, we've seen it, uh, in a little bit, but let's talk a little bit about the movie, Russ. So just allow me to intro it for a second, even though I know it kind of doesn't need an introduction, but maybe there's a person clicking on this right now who hasn't seen Reservoir Dogs and is like, Let's see what these two idiots have to say. 
Okay. Um, so this is a 1992 feature debut of Quentin Tarantino. The plot, for again, for anyone that didn't know, is about a diamond heist uh, that goes terribly wrong. It stars Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth, Chris Penn, rest in peace, Steve Buscemi. Buscemi or Buscemi? What do you like? Tierney. And Michael Madsen. <laughs> Tierney. I like Tierney. Um, despite not being heavily promoted, this film was a modest success. It was praised by critics. And after Pulp Fiction's release, that's when this movie started to gain a lot more popularity. People kind of were like, holy shit, what is this new director? Oh my God, he already has a movie out. Let me go see that thing right away. So people all of a sudden started flocking to Reservoir Dogs. Um, and sort of the, you know, genesis, I guess you could say, of this movie was working at a video store. Um, Quentin he Tarantino. City on Fire. He, he, yeah, I was going to say, he's, he was definitely, uh, he was definitely, uh, inspired, I think, as he would call it, uh, by a lot of yeah. stuff. Um, but I guess initially he was going to record this, record it. And initially he was going to shoot this himself in black and white for like thirty grand, and that's when his friend and you know producer Lawrence Bender um, had, I guess, given the script to his acting coach, whose wife then gave it to Harvey Keitel. It's like, how lucky do you get that this thing like passes in all these different hands to finally like reach someone? Yeah. It's like never, never heard of. Um, but Keitel, on the strength of the script, agreed to be the producer, which helped them raise about $1.5 million. So Quentin Tarantino had thirty grand. He was going to try to shoot this thing for black and white and whatever. Now he's got $1.5 million to work with. Um, and that's also what allowed them to have a casting call, like Keitel's you know, um, pull in the, in the arena of film got them to get a little casting call together, which is how they met Buscemi, Shemi, Madsen, and Tim Roth. Ooh. So, um, as now you, what, I'm sorry, what's, what movie did you say? City on fire? Uh, yes. Yeah. So base, basically, and just in what Tarantino has said and what <clears throat> others have accused him of, you know, which we'll probably talk about and have before is, you know, does he rip off? Does he pay homage? Is he inspired? Is he stealing? Like there's all these different things that you could levy at him. Um, but he says that he was inspired directly um, by the killing, which was a Stanley Kubrick movie. Um, but then there was also some other things that were dabbled in there, like certain scenes or certain pieces of dialogue or something, including, like you said, City on Fire, uh, Kansas City Confidential, which is a movie I've never heard of. Uh, Django also had some influences per Quentin Tarantino himself. And the color pseudonyms also were first done in Taking of Pelham 123, which Quentin Tarantino also referenced as being a, a favorite film of his. Um, but he denies plagiarizing anything. What's your What's your take on that? I agree with him. No idea is original. There's nothing new under the sun. It's never what you do, but how it's done. Uh, even the City on Fire comparisons. I've seen City on Fire, and yes, he definitely saw that movie. I mean, there's no getting around it. But what he essentially did was he took the finale of that film and extended it into a feature and then just put his own stamp on it. Like you're not going to watch city on fire and hear people talking about like a virgin. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it is different. It's inspired. Yes. Theft. I personally don't see that. Yeah. No, and I, I always, I've always maintained this about Tarantino. If he denied it, I would be like, dude, get the fuck out of yeah. here. You know what I mean? But he has always worn his influences on his sleeve. You can't even see this man in an interview without like 
giving movie recommendations like left and right. That's yeah. his life. That's his brain. Uh, no, like it's there is no it is not disingenuous. This is just he is a film geek. Yeah. And that's what all of his movies represent, you know? Yeah. And I think he's always trying to, you know, he's got he's got his he's got his Western. He's got his army film. He's got his, you know, uh, whatever heist film. He's got all these different types of films that he's made that I feel like he borrows a lot from other films that have done similar things. But he ends up making a mm-hmm. classic of its in its own way within that genre that he's kind of riffing on. Whereas these other movies he's riffing on might not have been classics necessarily. They might've yeah. had like iconic parts or moments or characters or actors or whatever, but oh, he's yeah. somehow blending it all together to make something that's better than the sum of its parts, I guess. Definitely. And I think especially, well, he still does. He's always done it, but he riffs on B movies, grindhouse movies, exploitation films, but he is such a good writer that he elevates the material that he's riffing on while simultaneously honoring it. He's never talked down to any of these films and influences. He's just not, I don't want to say improve, but he's just, he's shown true love to it. He elevates it. And I mean, that's awesome. I don't know. What what is there to complain about that? Nothing, nothing at all. You're right. Nothing. Um, But yeah, so, I mean, obviously I love this movie. You love this movie. We've done a Tarantino talk before, and we've always ranked this film consistently higher than most of his other films. It's not mm-hmm. number one, but it's always up there. Um, but I kind of want to talk a little bit about why we do like this movie so much. And I don't know, you know, I've got uh, some thoughts or, or some, a couple of, a couple of main things that I really appreciate about this movie. I don't know if you want to go one for one. You want me to just kind of sure. say mine, you say yours, whatever. But I think the one thing I want to start with is just the, I guess the sort of the concept ish, like, like small scale sort of play kind of aspect to this movie. You know, it's very, it's very tight. It's very small. It's very contained in basically one area. There's a couple of other little sidebars that happen, which, you know, spice it up enough, but it reminds me of like a hateful eight where it's like, you know, one spot to kind of play this whole thing out that could be done as a stage play Mm. essentially. And I don't know, has anyone even done that before? Have there been people that have like done that? I wonder. Probably. Yeah. Um, But that's also when you're, for all you budding screenwriters out there, I mean, that's always the best thing to do. If, if, if he was planning on shooting it himself, yeah. he's not going to have access to, you know, money. Yeah, so if right. you keep it in one, yeah, one building, set, one yeah, building like that, that I've got, if it's that yeah. confined as yeah. a, and sort of a, as a play, like you said, yeah. that's feasible. That yeah. can be done. But then Harvey Keitel came in and uh, gave him a little couple extra dollars so they can film in a club. Yeah. In, a, in a urinal, um, <laughs> in a urinal, <laughs> a urinal scene. Or he kind of he brought his. He dog got the in. red tape so he can get into that urinal. <laughs> <laughs> it pays no one. Harvey Cottell. Um <laughs> No, but I mean, I think like you're right. Like this movie could have had the biggest budget ever, and it could have been something even greater. Who knows what it could have been? But as it stands, it's brilliant. You know, with a small budget, with a small couple of spots that it has. I think it's really cool. And I think heists are also fun movies that have like a, a mole or a snitch that you don't know who mm. it is are kind of fun. I and mean, you sort of combine that in this sort of kind of like, again, like hateful eight. It's like these people are confined. You don't know who you can trust. You kind of feel like, you know, you want to believe this person. It can't definitely be that person, but all of these things combined, I think make combined, make for a, I don't know, an interesting movie in and of itself. And I think that's yeah. one of its biggest strengths. Well, it's also the, 
the central sort of caveat of it or whatever. It's a heist movie with no heist. True. We don't yeah. see it. <laughs> yep. This is all an aftermath movie yep. of a heist gone wrong, which again, that in itself is original. That would be a scene in most movies. And he turned it into a feature <laughs> yeah. and did it, wrote it so that there's, he wrote it in chapters. It plays like a novel, honestly. Every time it cuts back to the backstory of Mr. White, and it's slowly revealing to us, okay, well, he's not the rat. He's definitely not the rat. But it, that novel, like, uh, just structure of it, mm -hmm. it was. It was pretty brilliant. Keeps you on your toes. It's entertaining. I will say, though, because it sort of relies on that twist, as I've gotten older, mm -hmm. Reservoir Dogs is a title I don't revisit as often. Really? When I was younger, I used to watch this all the hmm. time. But uh, if I'm in a Tarantino mood, I typically go to Jackie Brown or Pulp Fiction yeah. at this point. I don't know why. I, don't know. I, well, I feel like I, I think it's that reveal aspect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think I don't. I, I actually, that was one of the things I do like about this movie. Not that it has a twist, but that. The, the way that the twist, even, even so obviously knowing that there's like something has gone wrong and everyone's clearly like talking in the beginning, like, oh, someone ratted us out. You already know, okay, there's some trouble is afoot, but even how the twist is revealed with, you know, Mr. Orange, spoiler alert, killing uh, Mr. White and, and kind of how that all plays out. I felt like that was a pretty cool way to reveal that. I also don't think that they make it, and maybe this is just me. I don't. I never felt like it was completely obvious that it was Mister White because everyone seems unreliable to some degree. Mister White. What? You said it was obvious that it, was, it oh. wasn't obvious that it was Mister White. It wasn't obvious that it was Mister Orange. Thank you for correcting me, Russ. Just because I think everybody comes across as unreliable, like you just don't know who could or could not have, you know, like well, screwed them on shot. This. And he's also shot, That's so that kind of puts him thing. out. And you he's, don't, a, he's out. Cold. Yeah, you don't really... Well, this man took a bullet. Yeah. How could he be a cop? He and they're showing Mr. Blonde be a crazy person. You know it's not Mr. Blonde. Because yeah, he's a yeah, crazy yeah. person? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what? You mean you didn't guess it immediately when you saw that orange balloon <laughs> behind the car? What was the other orange thing? Isn't there like one more I orange thing? Is, I forget. Yeah. Um, but, uh, man, hey, this movie... I know. I feel like we've talked about this a lot. Great, it is. It's a great film. Yeah, no, it is. And the, the other thing, I think part of the whole play aspect I was just mentioning and why I think it comes across like one, and most of his films obviously have great dialogue, but there's such great dialogue still in this movie, even being his very first movie. Yeah. I think the dialogue's excellent. I like, kind of like Pulp Fiction too. I like the the trivial sort of conversations that these characters have mm -hmm. before, the, like these violent criminals have before they you know quote unquote get into character to like go do what they got to do oh, yeah. it's just a really interesting little peek into real life like coen brothers do that shit all the time with like really you know like fargo like all these people that are like murderers and such like horrible people they're like doing dumb shit like eating pancakes and having like a dumbass conversation about who knows what it's like just really makes it a little bit more real like i don't know i don't know what what that is but i don't know that's just something about this movie also that's cool I have a question for you because I would I would say this is his meanest movie, hmm. just tonally. Well, I, actually, up until Hateful Eight, Hateful Eight might be up there now. But again, I always felt like Hateful Eight, as you referenced, yeah, is sort of a, I don't want to say spiritual sequel, but it's touching on a lot of the things that he touched on in Reservoir Dogs, yeah, in my opinion. But I would just say I I feel like 
the humor in Reservoir Dogs. Even I just think it's meaner. I just think it's meaner than yeah. even Pulp than Pulp Fiction or Jackie Brown. You know, I did, which it, I'm not complaining. Serves the story. They're yeah. gangster assholes. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? At the end of the day, but I've always noticed that over the years too. Where this really has a sort of it's just meaner in tone. I feel mm. like even the dialogue. I feel like it's like harsh. Yeah. Which is great, but comparatively, I agree. to Pulp Fiction and all that, you yeah, know? no, I agree. There's more smiles to be had in Pulp Fiction, I feel like, than there is in Reservoir Dogs. A little bit more humor, not even humor. I mean, dude, I laugh my ass off in Reservoir Dogs, but I mean, yeah, lighter. I, I mean, I, I just feel like there are more like sunnier moments. I don't know. Reservoir Dogs feels very bleak compared to everything else he did afterwards. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, even just the situation itself is bleak, and that's and that it's situation always, is the only thing that you like are yeah. stuck with for the entire runtime. Whereas a movie like True. Pulp Fiction changes. It'd be like if Pulp Fiction, the whole movie was yeah. you know Mia Wallace ODing. Yeah, like yeah. right for two and a half hours. <laughs> um, love it. Yeah. Well, this movie also we have to let 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 the fans know. Let Matt. the fans know. This was a this film was a big part in how you and I became friends. It it is it was, and that's actually the one of the other things uh, that I really like about this movie, which is the soundtrack. And it's not his strongest soundtrack, but it's still a good one nonetheless. Not by a mile, yeah. And the fact that we both not only like this movie, but I'm sure owned the soundtrack each of us and had heard, listened to. Little, did you ever own the soundtrack? Did you just shake your head? Oh, I thought you just shook your head. No, of course. It's how um, we became friends. Yeah, yeah. But like, so listening to Little Green Bag over and over and over again, yeah. just loving that song. For um, those, no, nah, we were 15 years old. This is in 1997 or something. Yeah. And so this is like the internet wasn't around yet. Anybody at that point when I was 15 who had seen Reservoir Dogs, it was me showing them. <laughs> Honestly, it just yeah. was. And then through a mutual friend, I played bass guitar, you played drums. We came, like we didn't know each other and we just said, hey, let's you know meet this guy, whatever. And yeah, and the opening the little green bag is just bass guitar and drums. And at 15, I knew how to play because like you said, I loved this movie yep. so much, loved the soundtrack. Not only did I listen to it, I learned how to play it. <laughs> yep. And then I met somebody who did the same damn thing. And I, I wasn't expecting you to either. It was just in between other shit. I just started doing it. And then you did the beat. <laughs> and you you did the boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. I just kept going like, yeah. oh, my God. How the fuck did I found you know my, that? I found my equal. No, but seriously, like you said, it was so oddly specific. It yeah. wasn't just like I met somebody who had seen Reservoir Dogs. It was like, nah, you clearly own the soundtrack and you <laughs> you learned how to play it. Like how many times do you meet fucking people like that? Um, We're psychos. Yes, musicians. You know, you just kind of like latch on to certain parts of songs like that bass line, that little drum thing. I'm like, oh, that's fun. Yeah. And, you yeah. Just, and then you just get crazy about it, memorize it, play it. And then luckily the enough, you strangers that want to play it too. It's, it's one of his weakest soundtracks, but I can't fault that because they didn't it have is. money. They no. didn't have anything. I well, mean, yeah, dude. And the thing that I read about that I is think it was all, all for stuck in the middle with you. Yep. That's it, exactly, like the whole damn budget. Went that's to all. That's all I wanted. That. Yeah. That's all they wanted. He was like, I don't even want a soundtrack. I just want to have stuck in the middle with you on it. And then I guess once they got a deal for a soundtrack album, they got a little bit more money to put other songs on, which is, you know, what they ended up uh, doing. Um, but Little Green Bag, freaking awesome. Stuck in the middle with you. Um, I like I got gotcha. you. Yeah, dude. Joe Texas. Yeah. Awesome group. 
And the end song, like when the credits roll after, you know, all the gruesome. You just finale. named the four good songs in the movie, Lime and the Coconut. Yeah. And that's such a cool ending song after what you just watched. It's just, it does sound awesome when you see Mr. White get blown away and then that's. And then that song just starts after everyone gets taken out. Yeah. Yeah. And that song itself is just kind of goofy. And I feel like even that, and that style, that humor, I mean, of course, Scorsese was big in putting rock and roll into his movies. He had started doing that decades before, but I think Tarantino did it with a sense of humor. Yeah. And it was so ironic. And, And I always feel like we take that for granted today. I feel like that's something that damn near every movie does now. But it was fresh at that time yeah. to be like, why the fuck is he listening to Stuck in the Middle with you while right. cutting this dude's ear off? Like, right. we don't, you could have just cut the ear off and had a score or something. But just that weird juxtaposition of this sunny 70s song with this ultra violence. It's comical, entertaining. Yeah. It's a good counterpoint to what's going on on the screen. Yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, he, yeah, it, it sucks. I, I almost would love to see if they would have had a soundtrack budget, what would Tarantino have put in here? If he had carte blanche to do whatever, if he could select anything. Well, remember he was on Joe Rogan and he said he always toyed with the idea of doing a remake of Reservoir Dogs as his 10th film just for the, he's like, I'm not going to do it. But I I thought about that idea is like, do you imagine what a Reservoir Dogs would look like in today's Quentin Tarantino? Like, I, I don't even know what that would be. I, well, you know, be canceled in a second for some maybe, of the language. Maybe it might, might be a little bit different now. Uh, um, what about anything that you don't like about this movie? Anything I that you know. could level at are, it? Are we going to get into a fight? There is one thing I, there, I can say about this movie. That I, I feel like isn't tight. And that's Mr. Orange's backstory. I feel okay. like it goes a little too long. The, oh, just that that whole scene of him learning that learning that and story. And to be honest, Mr. Orange, Tim Roth's character to me is one of the least interest. Not that he's bad. Tim Roth yeah. is fantastic. Like I said, this movie fires on all cylinders. But I would much rather be watching Mr. Blonde. Mm-hmm. I would much rather be watching Mr. Pink. I would much rather be watching Mr. White. And it's like, I feel like about an hour in when you get, and it, it, you need it because that's the yeah. plot. Yeah. I just feel like the momentum kind of drops. Not for long, not for long, but just a little bit. I didn't mind that stuff. I can see what Don't you mean. Don't mind it. I can it, see, I can see honestly, I could say the same thing about uh, Pulp Fiction with Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. I think his stuff kind of, it's not bad. It's still great. But like, damn, compared to Jules What's and going Vincent. On it? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, well, I want to see that stuff more. You ever, know? Did you ever think... It's, it's like the acting was a little wooden at times and some of the actors the one time tarantino the one, yeah the one the one thing <laughs> that always that's makes never me changed. laugh <laughs> the one thing that always makes me laugh is is harvey Keitel, uh, mr white the scene where he's like i thought he was gonna kill us then and there he was going bang bang it's like so like oh, no but i thought he was being sarcastic saying that oh uh, well because he? then right know. after that i love how michael madsen comes and he's like yeah bang 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 i don't know <laughs> just the way he said it i was like that sounds a little like they nah, had one take to get that right and that's that's all they got well i'll tell you you know what i thought you were gonna say and i love this line delivery is in the beginning is the say the goddamn fucking words you're gonna be okay you're gonna be okay say the goddamn fucking words <laughs> Like, that always makes me laugh. 
Mr. Blue, because she's sucking your dick. Like, what's he say, Mr. Blue? Like that one, that uh, one line. That dude's a real con, I know. though, man. Yeah. He was, he was a real gangster. Let me say this. So, in general, at the time, uh, a reason why there was people detracting against it, and Tarantino had something interesting to say about it too, was the violence and the language in the movie early on was something that people really kind of like jumped on. Uh, people were like walking out of screenings, especially at like the ear cutting scene. Um, and I have a funny story about that. Do, do you? Do you know there's one director, great director, who was Craven? Out, yeah, yeah. He walked. And Rick Baker. Rick Baker walked they out both, of it? They both had mentioned walking out of this movie. And I knew Wes Craven did. He said it was a compliment, but that <laughs> it was a it was a walkout. But t- this is what Tarantino said about all this stuff. He said, it happens at every single screening. For some people, the violence or the rudeness of the language is a mountain they can't climb. And that's okay. It's not their cup of tea, but I am affecting them. I wanted that scene to be disturbing. So I guess it worked. You know, like he's... He still he stood by it basically, and even Harvey Weinstein famously tried to get him to remove that so that the the movie would maybe go right. a little bit further. And Tarantino said, "Nope, stuck stuck completely, you know, stood his ground." One beautiful thing about that scene, though, I, I don't recall there there has to be cuts in it, but um, it <laughs> it doesn't break, and I think that's yeah. why it's so effective. For instance, when you see Michael Madsen walking out to the trunk of the car, a typical movie would cut. He's outside in the car. Cut. Oh yeah, comes back in. No, we're following him. Song still playing. Song still. You, you can, can hear it hear when it. the door shuts. Yeah. You can barely hear it. It feels real that yep. way. So it is that whole scene. If you are a little squeamish or whatever, that that kind of adds a reality to it. Yeah, is that there's no stop. It's like we're we're just watching him go out. It's slow, and we know what he's gonna. We know he's a fucking madman. Yeah, and it's yeah. It's great though, man. Yeah. It's brilliant. It is. It is. Um, and Michael Madsen, holy shit, stole this fucking movie. Iconic performance, in my opinion. Like I, in my opinion, Mister Blonde is the first thing I think of when yeah. I think of Reservoir Dogs. Yep, agreed. And he nailed it. Holy shit, yeah, dude, he's, he's fucking great. In he's this. psycho as hell. Again, he's psycho as, as hell. But not over the top. Yeah. Like he's just he's cool, and yeah. it's like that adds this yeah. underlying menace. Yeah, because in that everything meeting, he's doing, yeah, he's like in a meeting earlier, and he's like totally fine and normal. But then, like when he's in a situation where there's like a cop, he's like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna fucking cut this cop's ear off because that's how crazy I get in these situations." <laughs> I don't care what you know. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, I'm gonna, just gonna torch you anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's like that's <laughs> what I'm into. Um, but so today, in, as Today's concern, Reservoir Dogs is considered a classic and a milestone of independent film. Yeah. It hold <laughs> it I feel like it as we, we've that done, era. We, yep. I mean, and, and we did a filmography review of Tarantino, and I think it still holds up in his filmography, even to this day. All the films that he's done, it's still oh, something yeah. that comes and stays at the top. Um, Quentin Tarantino obviously went on to do eight additional films, wrote True Romance, wrote Natural Born Killers as well. And this movie itself has had a pretty long, you know, track on physical media. There was those color, individual color editions, which I had Mr. Pink. I think I always wanted Mr. Blonde, which got sold out immediately. I Same. Think I Mr. had White. Yeah, yeah, Mr. White. Mr. Brown, I think, became sort of a collector's item with a bunch of, like, Tarantino signing a bunch. Um, the gas can editions, which we've talked about before, uh, some of my favorites. Um, but, and by most accounts that I've read, even though I didn't really ever pick this out, but I guess the Blu-ray transfer has always been absolute garbage. Um, But I never... Never paid attention. Again, I watched this so much on VHS, it just probably... Until I saw the new one, I realized, holy shit, I didn't 
I never knew how blurry this movie was. Yeah, no, honestly. And after popping this in and taking a look at it, and as well as, you know, we've recorded a few screenshots for people to take a look at as well. Um, and, and also a ton of reviews that have already been released wherever blu-ray.com and so forth are kind of all unanimously saying what we're about to say and that it looks spectacular. It is a complete, you know, revitalization of whatever was before, however bad it was before. This is quite the upgrade to whatever Blu-ray you once had. It really doesn't change the film. It makes it look brand new, essentially. Yes, like it was shot yesterday. Like this film came out last year. That's what it looks like. Yes, beyond impressed with just the clarity, the sharpness, the color um, rejuvenation. Just everything looks incredible. And again, you can take a look at you know plenty of other reviews that sort of back that up as well. We also have a 4K comparison up if you want to take a look at some additional screenshots. But again, this is a classic film. It's a brilliant release. Um, you know, I'm, I got the the ear steel here. Russ, is there is there anything else that you want to add about this film? Anything else you want to cover or discuss? Let's attempt the open opening monologue. Do you mind if we attempt that? <clears throat> I'm going to need you to fill in the blanks. Okay. You want me to tell you what Like a Virgin's all about? It's all about a girl who dates a guy with a big dick. The entire song is a metaphor for big dicks. No, it's not. It's about <laughs> No, it's not. It's about a nice girl who dates a Whoa, 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 whoa. Time out. Tell that motherfucking bullshit to the tourists. <laughs> Like a virgin ain't about some nice girl who meets a nice guy. That's what True Blue's about. I mean, great, true, no argument there, all right? But Like a Virgin's all about this coos. And I mean, she's a real fuck machine. I'm talking morning, day, and night. Dick, 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 dick. That's a lot of dicks. How many dicks is that? A lot. So anyway, one day she meets this John Holmes motherfucker, and he's like Charles Bronson in The Great Escape. He's digging tunnels. And she's feeling something that she hasn't felt since forever. Pain, pain, it hurts her. It hurts her. I mean, it shouldn't hurt her. It shouldn't. Her pussy should be like bubblegum right now. But I mean, when this cat fucks her, it hurts. It hurts like it did the first time. Hence, like a virgin. Great job. Do, 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 That'd be perfect. <laughs> Great job, Russ. I had no idea that you could recite that whole thing. I'm clearly... You know what's really funny? In Glasgow, when, uh, in ninth grade, it was like when we just started. Yeah. And I stayed after once for like the drama club shit. Just to Would see. you do that? I did Ezekiel 25, 17. They had this thing where it was like, everybody's standing in a circle, and then when you get pulled in the middle, you just have to like improvise some shit. And I just did Ezekiel. And I was looking at everybody. Like, like who is and, and I was doing it just like yeah. Samuel Jackson. <laughs> I didn't even put my own spin on it. And I never went back. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's. we got one more review for the people, Russ. We got mm. one more review for the people, and we decided to review this on uh, based on the fact that we were going to have this in hand to open up, take a look at, share with everyone, talk about the transfer, talk about, talk about the quality of the package. But guess what? Zavi's delayed. They sent me a thing that was like, hey, order dispatch. I go there. It's like, here, you want to track that shit? I'm like, yeah, track it. And what does it say? No tracking found. I'm like, eh, that's kind of normal for maybe the first day. You know, courier hasn't picked it up, whatever. Day two, day three, tracking, not found. Day five, six, seven, not found. So I finally reach out to Zavi, finally. And they're like, oh, we'll have to check in with our courier or whatever. Do you just want a new one or do you want your money back? And I was like, I want a new one. Please send it to me. So here we are getting ready to cover 
Wolf of Wall Street in 4K from Arrow in the UK, coming direct from Zavi late. Yeah. I guess it's an import, man. I haven't even checked the status on mine. You have me nervous now. Late. Whenever I Very import late. something, I, I always delete the emails because I don't want to sit around and obsess about it. I just want to be pleasantly surprised when it arrives in the mail one day. I'm like, oh, shit. I, like that. I forgot I ordered Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, I like that. I like Dude, that, too. But then again, I could be getting dicked over by Zavi. And you wouldn't even know it. Mm. And you wouldn't even know it. Well, Wolf of Wall Street has already has been released on Blu-ray. Then it was released in 4K, and then in 4K, a 4K steelbook in the U.S. already. Now we're getting this collector's edition from Zavi or Arrow, which we've also done a little bit of a, a video on and kind of discussed our thoughts there. But this is a great package. It's coming in this wallet, booklet, and what appears to be cocaine. I'm not really sure. When it, when it gets here, I'm going to try it myself and let you guys know what it actually is. Um, now, from what I gather, this transfer is identical to the U.S. version. It was a Martin Scorsese-approved transfer, and I think, like we said before, he wasn't coming back to do a new, you know, new transfer a year later. Like, it's yeah. it's done. Um, so it was Scorsese-approved. So if we do get a chance to get some screenshots on this, if I do get a chance to oh, hold this in my hand before you watch this video then maybe we'll embed some in there. Um, so a little bit more on that later. But let's talk about this film a little bit. A 2013 film from Marty himself. This is his 23rd film. Sounds right. 23. 23 films. And Actually, I thought it'd be more. Really? I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Well, he's only done like two more since then, so he's on his like 25th or 6th. But this movie follows Jordan Belfort as he rises to prominence as a stockbroker and the rampant corruption and fraud that brings him down. Starring Leo DiCaprio, Margot Robbie. Robbie? What do you like to say? R-O-B-B-I-E. That's a house. <laughs> I love that line, man. All right, there you go. I don't know, Robbie. Jonah Hill. And of course, John Bernthal. Everybody's favorite. Of course. Of course. Um, Fuck Carl Reiner. It's got John Bernthal. Don't forget, don't forget John Bernthal. Um, so this movie... <laughs> I said Carl Reiner. It's Carl Reiner. Reiner. John Reiner. He's <laughs> Is he still alive? Yeah, barely. So <laughs> Edit all this. Oh, edit yeah. all these insults. <laughs> For sure. At the time of release, this movie was surrounded by controversy for its explicit sexual content, profanity, drug use, and lack of sympathy for the victims. Film also has the Guinness World Record for most instances of swearing on film, 506 F-bombs amongst other swears, totaling 2.81 swears per minute. Casino was the previous record holder. So Marty likes them F-bombs. Uh, but this movie was a major commercial success, loved by the critics, becoming Scorsese's highest grossing film he had ever done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So um, argue with facts. Can't argue with facts. Um, <laughs> no, it wasn't. Kundun fucking took over. You don't remember that? <laughs> All right, Russ. I hear you. Um, did you know this movie was a book? <laughs> Can you argue with facts on that? No, it wasn't. Sell me this pen, motherfucker. <laughs> I'll try. I'm going to try to sell you on this movie. So Honestly, to be... Well, I didn't. You didn't know it was a book. I didn't. Okay. I mean, I assumed because it's his life. It was but. a book. Marty Marty picked up the rights to this book in 2007. Like, Warner Brothers was dicking him around, so he went off and he did, like, Shutter Island. And then... He dicked them around. Yeah, and then he dicked back. them. And he, he was like, here you go. What do you think about this? 
Um, and then he kind of got wind that I guess this property was still available and that there were no restrictions on it, meaning he can do whatever he wants, like content restrictions, essentially. You know, it's funny. I do have an argument about this. I had always heard the opposite. I thought, I thought DiCaprio discovered it and was interested and talked Scorsese into doing it. That's what I had always heard. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. I'm going to fact check our own podcast after this. We'll put a couple like thought bubbles or something up here that are like. You're wrong. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, f- I, we'll figure that out. Um, I assume you're right because I don't. I haven't studied this movie, but I, I, I thought I had heard that when it came out. Well, regardless, Russ, the book itself had was way even. Even though the movie itself is fairly over the top, the book itself, I guess, is even more over the top, and so many things had to be removed um, or just toned down completely. And this movie was banned in several countries with other countries just removing about an hour's worth of material out of it just so that they could air it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can you believe that, Russ? I mean, I can. And let's face okay. it, if you take an hour out of this movie, it's what is it? still the runtime of a normal movie. <laughs> I bet nobody <laughs> noticed. Nobody even noticed. It's like, mean, yeah. it's like the extended editions of Lord of the Rings. Um, <laughs> so do you like this movie, Russ? Your fans? I do. So I do. What's what's one thing you really like about this movie? Margot Robbie. Okay. No, I mean, you know, my uh <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to say that joke. Um Leo? Look, yeah, all right, serious thoughts. Leonardo DiCaprio is beyond reliable in anything. Mm-hmm. I I mean, even movies I don't care for, he is great in. So Wolf of Wall Street has that going for it. Yep. It introduced us or the world to Margot Robbie, who not only is incredibly easy on the eyes, she's immensely talented as well and has proven herself since over and over again. Um, not a fan of Jonah Hill whatsoever, mm-hmm. but he's playing an asshole, which I completely agree. <laughs> I, I, no, I'm serious. It's like, that's what I see him as. Yeah. So well cast. And of course, Bernthal, man. Brings it. <laughs> Every time, every scene, every chance he gets, he tries to nah, steal the scene away. I, I'll say this. I was never as enamored with this film as most people were. Uh, to me, it's just way too long for what it is. And it's an exercise in style. It's excess. It's celebrating excess. I get it. You didn't have to celebrate excess with the fucking excessively. runtime. <laughs> Excess Excessively. No, but I mean, seriously, like, and, and I, I've always compared this film in my to train spotting because I felt like it's being comedic with material that traditionally isn't comedic and everyone's a scumbag. Mm-hmm. And I feel like train spotting did it better and did it in half the fucking time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm but not having as much fun for... with a movie as this. Let though. me say it. Well, wait, what? Say that again? I said, I feel like train spotting train spotting is fun, you mm-hmm. know, in a different way than this more fun. <sighs> Like fun? I don't know if I okay. I don't even yes. want to train spotting because tangent, trans, I don't know because if the I attitude and, and that could be a subjective thing. I, for me, train spotting is more fun because it has that attitude to it, and they're literal low lives. They're not fucking over other people's yeah. lives through being on Wall Street and banking and all this other bullshit. They're just stealing their mom's TVs, fucking up yeah. their lives like that. And they, I don't know. To me, that's that's funny. You know, stealing your mom's <laughs> shit. <laughs> No, but um, well, let me hover on Leo just for a second. Can we just hover on him just for a second? Even though I agree with ninety percent at least of what you said, um, I think 
Leo with with runtime, no runtime, whatever. He he is the central force in this movie. He's got excellent energy. He makes this movie fun. He's fun. He's clearly having fun yeah. doing everything. And I feel like that in a way because of that energy sort of alleviates at least a little bit of the burden of that runtime whereas of course it yeah. doesn't feel like a slog like you said though it's just it's just a lot like you yeah. probably don't need as much of that excessive stuff you yeah. can cut out some of these tangents some of these plot lines and still have the yeah. movie you're looking for I, I i did not mean anything i said uh to be translated into this movie is boring i didn't yeah. say that at all it's not it's not boring at all no it's just like you said you, do we need all of it and like I said, at the end of the day, it's just celebrating excess. So again, well, I don't need all of this. He needs it all. Even but even film, even directing, like the the style of film. Basically, it's like I felt like this movie kind of spins its wheels. I've seen Scorsese do similar material in in scenes. I, like even some of the camera shots and all that. Yeah. It reminds me of better films that he's done. This is twenty thirty. But again. Movie. <laughs> exactly i was about to say but he's martin fucking scorsese so martin scorsese spinning his wheels is better than most people trying their best he's got a lot of movies in his back catalog to steal from <laughs> same thing is same thing with dicaprio dicaprio spinning his wheels is still better than 90 percent of other actors so even though the whole thing kind of felt uninspired to me it's still really goddamn good because yeah. these are immensely talented people like I said, just spinning their wheels, but holy shit, they are the greatest at what they do. And then Margot Robbie, and come on, let's let's really face it, that must have been very intimidating to go from like being, I guess, I think she was Practic known in Australia, yeah, but still no to working with Martin Scorsese, and you are the <laughs> the love interest, you're this, you know, to Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, damn, and she held her own. Like yeah. it reminded me of Sharon Stone in Casino. It was yep. like, damn, you brought it in, in casinos. Uh, I mean, Sharon Stone stole that whole fucking movie. She's yeah. better than De Niro in that shit. Well, it's funny you mentioned Casino because I actually think about that these movies similarly in terms of their runtime and pace because I feel like even Casino is very long. And then you could maybe say, well, you could cut this or snip that. I don't know. But I feel the same energy. I feel the same. I'm never bored. I'm never tired of what's going on, whether it needed to be that long or not. I mean, and these movies span like years. Because, like these movies you know, span years, multiple characters. There's just a lot yeah, that's being thrown at you but, and they still manage to keep it interesting. But you could argue Casino has morals. You could argue Casino... Like, like, that's the thing. Even if you, I could argue Casino is a character study. And I know you could say that about Wolf of Wall Street as well, but what are we studying? There's nothing deeper to Jordan Belfort than what than, you, than the celebration, than the excess. And, and like I said, so it doesn't even work as a character study for me. It's just, like I said, almost a greatest hits of just really fucking awesome people doing what they do awesomely, you know? Do you think that that's a problem or a a say negative of the movie because that is what a lot of people jumped on they were like you are glorifying jordan belfort you're not holding him to task these victims are, uh, are not are I, being you know uh, taken advantage of or whatever they should have their, you know whatever glorify them all day long so, i don't care about the glorification so so as a negative in terms of what this movie represents you don't really care about that as much as just what the movie is doing yeah it's not a positive or negative thing i just think at three and a half hours it's like we don't i personally was just kind of it's like, only three it's 180 minutes <laughs> yeah i mean come on dude. three hours baby excessive cut jonah hill out entirely problem solved It'd be uh, a fucking masterpiece i don't know no 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 i'm just saying like i said it's just one of those films 
I'm comparing it to what everyone involved has done previously. Yeah. And damn, everyone's touched on these themes in certain ways or in, or in others. And it's been done better. And I just I, feel yeah. that's, that's, that's not a slight. That, that doesn't mean Wolf of Wall Street isn't good. I ordered this as well. I enjoy the film. But I do think it's one of those movies I'm going to get into my my bullshit that I always do on this podcast. And it's like, I want to take it down. A take few it down notches. A notch. I take, just, take because I don't feel like it was that great. I always have fun watching this movie. I've probably seen yeah. this movie maybe about three times now. Same. I, I've, I just throw it on and, and I think maybe even the third time I might not have gotten all the way through it just because of timing constraints or something came up, whatever. I don't know, but I don't know. It's just, I have a blast with this movie. I think it's fun to watch. It's entertaining. I'm never, ever looking at it. Like, like you said, like I'm, this is a moral story and I need to make sure that I, you know, like pay homage to these victims and fuck this Jordan Belfort guy. I'm like, no, this is like a crazy train wreck yeah. of a story. I'm watching this unfold as whatever it is. And it, I felt like it was, I don't know. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun to watch. And actually to, to go again, I don't, did you feel like it was glorifying? It? I, I think, I don't know. It's like, you know, celebrating his excesses, yachts, his women, his lifestyle, the money, like that it comes makes you with the decisions he made. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like, is it, is it saying like you should want to be Jordan Belfort and you should want to do these things to live this lifestyle? You I mean, I say never, that about Scarface. I know. And I never really and actually, felt, feel that way. I'm not like, and hold on. You know what though, about this movie, I will say, and I don't know if you're aware of this. Younger people fucking love it. Really? Oh, I'm talking like younger people. I, more than one person. Uh, my stepdaughter, she loves it, and she's 21 now. All the fucks, probably. <laughs> no, and other people I've known over the years. This movie, I feel like to them, is like their Scarface. This is that movie that it's so over the top, but even the mentality of it, it's vain. Yeah. And that's what our fucking culture in America has been for the past 10 years. This really is, in, I, I believe, their Tony Montana. Yeah. Their like, fantasy of being completely selfish, self-involved, doing whatever it takes for me. You know, like that's what it, I think they see it as and latch on to it. Take it down a few pegs, Russ. Well, I'm, that's what I'm trying to do, though. It's like, I think for my age, though, Scarface is that for me. Yeah. Or other film, Train Spotting, I even brought up, is that for me. And I think just I'm a little older. It, it's not. It's mature. It's not, not tickling your. Not even mature. Just it's. I I have my films that kind of tick those, you know. Yeah. That, that tick those notches of rebellion and like oh yeah let's laugh at heroin let's laugh at, yeah. you know i have those movies and i think wolf of wall street was a big movie like that that i think younger people got more than i did mm -hmm. i'm just gonna be honest but it, I, it is really good though do you Great. think the young people are coming to watch it for john bernthal because that's why <laughs> i think most of the young crowd are coming to you see know why because he's awesome. <laughs> he's awesome. Well, did you know, Russ? I'm going to throw some more facts at you that you're going to have to agree with or not agree with. I have one fact. You Hit know, his, his cellmate, his celly was uh, Tommy Chong. I don't remember that scene. Was it? Not in the movie, in real life. Oh, in real life. Yeah, the oh, real no Jordan Bell. His, his cellmate was Tommy Chong because Tommy Chong had just gotten busted for selling uh, pipes across street, state lines on the internet. Wow. But yeah, they were uh, they were soulmates. Okay, Tommy. <laughs> okay, Tommy. Okay, okay, life. okay, Tommy. You got to meet Jordan Belfort. <laughs> he bought a few um, pens. <laughs> this was uh, this was Marty Scorsese's 
uh, highest grossing film, 392 million worldwide. It was it was beat out in its first weekend by The Hobbit, Frozen, Anchorman 2, and American Hustle. Wait, it came in fifth place in its opening weekend? Fifth place in its opening weekend, but made 392 worldwide. I mean, look at those movies. The Hobbit, Frozen, Anchorman 2. I mean, those are some hot... For this being like, a, hey, like an original Wolf feature. of Wall Street is better than all of those. And American Hustle. Don't forget about yeah, that one. Uh, that'd be on par. On par? Okay. I would break those equally. Do you also know that this is a historic movie? Of course. This is a historic... No, I don't. It's, it's historical because it's the first major movie from Paramount to be distributed entirely digitally. Anchorman 2 was the last Paramount movie to include a 35 millimeter film version. Wow. So this was the very first time that you just kind of, I don't know if that, what do they get like a download code? Like how do they, how do they get these movies digitally? Which brings me to my next point. I'm really sick and tired of Scorsese being a fucking sellout. (laughs) (laughs) He went digital. Um, DVD. DVD. It's the best. Uh, but in general, people did love this movie. Critics, audiences, it was on like a ton of top 10 lists, whatever. Nominated for Academy Awards. Uh, Leo only won a Golden Globe. He didn't win anything else. He just got the Globe. Um, Jordan Belfort himself said that, you know, they kind of, I don't know, oversimplified some of the things that went on, but for the most part, it was fairly accurate and he enjoyed the movie. You know, one thing we didn't touch on in what this movie, we touch on? And one aspect I do love about it, first off, this was during the McConaissance. Oh, dude. We didn't mention Matthew McConaughey. This was going on during the McConaissance. He- For those who don't know, this was this period in the early 2010s where Matthew McConaughey just woke up one day and said, holy shit, I'm going to be a great actor. And he followed through. And he was just doing like goddamn movie after movie that just slapped. True Detective. Hey, oh, God. Yeah. yeah, And True Detective. Killer Joe. Uh, Mud. This. I mean, he was just on a, Interstellar. He was on a roll. Interstellar. Um, but no, I always loved how they even say it in the movie. They're like, well, we could tell you all the behind the scenes, how stocks work, how the, uh, but you don't fucking care. <laughs> it's like, no, no we don't. You're and, right. And we kind of don't even <laughs> know don't. what it means either. Yes. We, we yes. just take the commission. I love that. It's like, it's just, this is fictional money we're playing around with and it destroys people's lives and you don't need to know the fucking algorithm. Nope. Just, this is just what we yeah, do. Come along with, for the ride. And I love that, how frank that was. Cause I, yeah. even if you watch wall street or something, there's always a, like almost a expositions, even like trading places. Yeah. It's like, there's this down, like kind of real aspect. And I love how just right in the beginning of Wolf of wall street, it's like, don't worry. We're not going to bore you with this shit. You're just here to see We're here fuck. to do drugs and fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, hey, thanks. Thanks, Scorsese. And then they got John Bernthal. <laughs> do you know what movies he's done since Wolf of Wall Street? Uh, Can you name Irishman. Him? You said there's only two? Uh, uh, he, there's been two, and he's working on one right now. Irishman and uh, Silence, right? That's right. And now he's working on Killers of the Flower Moon, which also stars awesome. Leo DiCaprio, Bobby D, and Brendan Fraser. Never mind. <laughs> Brendan Fraser's that back. That dude's a whale. He's a whale. He's back, everyone. Now he's going to be in every fucking movie that that's anyone puts out since he's returned. Um, this, but you know, back to this movie. It hasn't really had a long history on any you know physical media. It's not that old of a movie. I, like I said, I had the Blu-ray, but I never upgraded to 4K or the steel. Same. The set from Arrow just looked too cool to pass up. I can't wait to see this wallet edition and all the little trimmings that come along with it and. Again, once once we have that in hand, we'll be able to do a little bit of a packaging review. Maybe I'll have it in time for us editing this video. Um, and if we have some screenshots, I'll make sure to throw some of those up as well. 
Um, again, the movie, if you haven't seen it, it's not perfect. It might be too long. It might glorify this or that, but it's, in my opinion, an absolute blast to watch. And <sighs> if you look at it as a piece of entertainment only. Glorifying anything in it. Like, I didn't get that vibe. From okay. This film. I don't know. And, and I, even, I don't either. I mean, that's just, if it was, who cares? That's just what some of the biggest attractors of this movie say is that that's what it is. Right. I don't care. I don't care. Good. Glorify him. I don't give a shit. It's not changing his life or mine. No. <laughs> like, it's changing Marty's. 392 million, baby. Yeah, he's going to start glorifying things more often. <laughs> Why not? He's going to he's he's glorify digital de-aging. <laughs> digital DVD. <laughs> well... That uh, that about does it, Russ. Like I said, that was a, a pretty short week. Just a couple of 4K reviews, a couple of um, things to unbox, hopefully, before these go up. And we also will have some 4K comparisons of Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs for anyone interested. They should be up as well. If you're listening to this, come by our channel. Check those out. Mm-hmm. We'll be back next week. It'll be our last uh, last recording uh, for, the, for the year. And so we take a little bit of a holiday break. And we should be uh, covering or, or discussing Roadhouse. Hopefully, I'll have my Roadhouse from Vinegar Syndrome then. Mm-hmm. I'm also We're also going to do a review of Pulp Fiction since that'll be out. Uh, one of our my favorite for sure. I know one of Russ's favorite, at least Quentin Tarantino movies. I can't wait to really dig into that. It might be a little bit of a longer review. We'll also have our top five uh, favorite release of the year countdown. Mm-hmm. As we do and every Clerks year. 3. And don't forget Clerks 3, which Russ is dying to just pour his heart out about. If any of you knew the behind-the-scenes drama Clerks 3 is causing, Matt and I. <laughs> seriously, friendships are on the line. <laughs> I want to talk about Clerks 3. And Matt, and I want to listen. And Matt is wise. He gave up on Kevin Smith a long time ago. <laughs> a long time ago. A long time ago. Maybe then maybe then we'll have hit our um, subscribe for drive number. We have 150 more subs to go. It's two weeks yeah. away, so probably not. But who knows? Maybe maybe miracles will happen. Maybe yeah. this will be the this will be the, the our, our time to get there and we'll be doing our, our giveaways. So but um yeah, I guess uh Russie, anything else for the people? Uh even though it was a light news week, dazed and confused in 4K from Criterion is spectacular. I'm so happy to hear that. Uh that's all I got. Okay. Well, when that comes out in 4K, Russ, I know you're going to be getting it. We mm-hmm. should cover the movie because I've never seen it. I'd love to hear your thoughts, talk about it in depth, as well as take a look at what the 4K upgrade is. I know Criterion put it out before, and I wonder how much of an upgrade they're And, getting. you know, and that's a movie kind of like what we were saying with Reservoir Dogs. You know how many times I watched that on VHS as a kid? Yeah. Like, I can't wait. Like, I, that's a film where even when I bought the DVD, I was like, holy shit, this looks yeah. so much better. So I cannot wait to see that. Awesome. All right. Well, we will see everyone next time.